Please have a seat. Often during the time of Advent, we think about the ministry of John the Baptist. Advent, like Lent, is a time of preparation. It's a time of getting ready, whether it's Advent, getting ready for the celebration of Christmas and to remember that Christ will return to make all things complete, uh, or whether it's Lent, preparing for Easter and celebrating the fact that Christ has died and Christ has risen. And these times of preparation are extremely important. We We've sort of lost them to a certain extent over the decades um, because I think today in our Christian lives, we, we want to live as um, sort of as Christians who, who have it all together. And I think sometimes what happens in that place is that we, we miss out an important part of how it is that the kingdom of heaven actually grows within us. And we forget the fundamental teaching of Jesus, which is, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. In other words, whenever we come to that place where we know profoundly that we need God, we need Him, we need Him, we need Him, because we can't get out of the rut that we find ourselves in, that only He can bring forgiveness into our lives and bring new life. And then the next step, Jesus said, blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. And that's not to do with bereavement. It's to do with mourning over the brokenness of the world. It certainly includes bereavement, but it's much bigger than that. It's actually recognizing the fact that we need to come to the place where there is, there is just sorrow in our hearts that God's kingdom has not yet come in all of its fullness. And that we ourselves are not fully living a life which is full of joy and peace and patience and goodness and all the other fruit of the Spirit in our lives. That we're not seeing the power of the Holy Spirit fully working through us. And that through our example and our words that people are being healed and that people are coming to faith in Christ and people are hungering for God because they're spending time in our presence. And we forget that blessed are the humble and the meek for the whole earth belongs to them. So when Erdy recently shared what the Lord had, had been doing in his life, I just thought, isn't it wonderful that that breakthrough is happening? But I think in modern Christianity, often we despise tears. We despise mourning. We despise the place of brokenness and the recognition of brokenness because so often we want to live as performance-based Christians who have it all together. And in that, we lose out on the opportunity of becoming more like Jesus Christ. We lose out on the opportunity of the journey of the Christian faith that Jesus spoke about in Matthew chapter 5. The first thing he says in his great sermon on the mount is, this is the way the kingdom of God works. You step into it by recognizing that we are impoverished in our nature and that we need God. And then we step into it further, into that joy and peace and fullness of Christ 
whenever we recognize the fact that whenever we see Christ and we read about Christ in Scripture, we wonder, why isn't my life more like His? If I am a child of God through the cross of Christ, then why am I not exercising the same authority? Why am I not so robust as Jesus is? Why am I not healing the sick and raising the dead? Why, when I encounter hostility or difficulty or oppression, do I not respond as Jesus responded? Why is it that sometimes bitterness creeps into my heart and I find it difficult to love people the way, the way Jesus does? How is it that I can't keep a short account and actually days, weeks, months, even years can go by and I struggle to forgive someone who has said something years ago that hurt me? Why can't I be more like Christ? And the answer is the breakthrough comes in the place of mourning. It comes in the place of tears. It comes in the place of confession. Now, in modern Christian faith, often confession isn't a popular word and yet Scripture is full of it. So whenever we come to the ministry of John the Baptist, we wonder, haven't we sort of moved past that in some way? And we forget the fact that in the ministry of Jesus, what did He do? He said to His disciples, baptize the people. Why is baptism still important in terms of knowing Jesus Christ? Because it includes the ministry of dying to self, it includes the ministry of mourning. It includes the ministry of releasing the power of God in our lives. Whenever we hear the word confession, we may have the picture that's coming, some of those Hollywood blockbusters, even some of the James Bond movies where you're stripped naked, you're blindfolded, you're tied to a seat, and there's this bare bulb that just swings above your head, and there's nothing else in the room apart from some very mean people with some very mean gadgets who are going to do some very mean things in order to squeeze the secrets out of our lives. But that's not what confession is about at all. The verse that struck me most powerfully in this reading from Matthew chapter 3 is verse 6 where it said, the people came from all around Jerusalem and came from Judea and when they had confessed their sins, John baptized them. Not before. He baptized them when they confessed their sins. Now did John do that because he wanted to humiliate people? Did John do that because he wanted to say, guys, let me tell you how bad you are? No. I think when people stood beside John the Baptist and they said, you know, my life just seems to be a half-life. I don't seem to be experiencing God. I don't have a lot of love in my heart. I'm very impatient. I'm frustrated. <sighs> I think they would have looked into the eyes of John the Baptist and they would have seen the love of God. John's calling was to, as summed up in just a couple of words in Matthew's gospel, John says, repent, repent of your sins and turn to God because the kingdom of God is near. He was preparing people for Jesus coming among them. 
And the reason why he was doing that with confession is because confession opens us up to the power of God. So if you want to have God do new things in your life, then one of the most powerful things you can do is that you can say, as David said at the end of Psalm 139, search me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there's anything offensive in me, God, and lead me in the way everlasting. And when we do that, and I just want to encourage you to make that part of your daily walk with God, to actually sit in the presence of God quietly or go for a walk quietly and in that place, perhaps even to use those verses from the end of 139, Psalm 139, and say, Lord, search me. See, is there anything that's offensive in me, God, that is just causing some sort of barrier or rift between me and you? We know that in Christ and Christ dying on the cross and shedding his blood for us, we know that we have been adopted into the family of God. That's what baptism is about. It's about a once for all coming into the family of God. But you and I know that sometimes we slip and slide back into their old ways. It doesn't change who we are. We're always children of God when we're adopted by God's grace. We declare it with our mouth and we believe it in our hearts. Then we are saved. We are rescued. We are part of the family of God. But sometimes we behave like the old self rather than the new self. And so this process of healing needs to be a constant thing. So often we can go about our day-to-day lives thinking, yeah, I'm all right, I've, I'm a Christian, I've, uh, I've come to Christ, there's nothing else to confess. But in James chapter 5, there are those powerful words, and these are words spoken not to non-believers, but they're spoken to Christians. Confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The earnest prayer of a righteous person has great power and produces wonderful results. The forgiveness that we receive comes from Jesus Christ. He gave his life for us that we may live. The place, primary place of confession is in the quiet places between us and our heavenly Father. But as this verse in James shows us, there are, there's a level of freedom in our lives that will only come whenever we look into the eyes of another human being and we tell them about our brokenness. So whenever James says, so that you may be healed, he's not just talking about physical healing, I think he's primarily talking about inner healing. There is still a job of inner healing to be done after we come to Christ. We have stepped into Christ. We are new creations. The old has gone, the new has come. But the consequences of some of the ways we used to think and we used to act still sometimes hold sway in our lives. Our access to heaven is open. Our eternal salvation is assured. 
but there are elements of our lives where we're still being robbed by the devil of what it means to live full, free, joyous lives. And the acid test of that is always love. How strong and bright is our love for God? How strong and bright is our love for our family and our work colleagues and our neighbors and our friends? How strong and bright is our love for those who wrong us, who speak ill of us, who want to harm us? How strong and bright is our love for them? And the only way to move into that place of a deeper power of a deeper love is through confession. It's through inner healing. So I want to encourage all of us over the months and years ahead, weave into our spiritual lives practices of confessing to God. When we do that, then in the silence, he will bring to mind things in our lives which are still out of kilter with the way we think, the way we speak, the way we act, that are just not the way God wants to happen. And the reason why he wants to do this is because he longs for us to have fullness of life. Christ didn't go to the cross because he was angry. Christ went to the cross because he loves you. Christ died on the cross holding the sins of the world in himself. And the judgment of the Father came on the sins that the Son was bearing. Sometimes we have a picture of a heavenly Father who somehow wants someone to take the rap for the wrong things that we have done. That somehow Jesus was hated by the Father in that moment, nothing could be further from the truth. The wrath of God was poured out on the one who became sin for us. And so when Christ cried out on the cross, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? That was not the point of ultimate weakness, that was the point of ultimate strength. That was the moment whenever Christ bore all of our sins on the cross. He became sin for us. And in that moment, he experienced the abandonment of God. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Is the moment of victory. It's the moment of triumph. It's the moment of cleansing for us. Why? Because the Father loves us and in his son he has set us free. Why has God given us the grace of confession to set us free? Because confession opens us up afresh to God. And in that moment we realize that the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of Christ, the one who is gentle and humble in heart, moves in our lives and says, Nigel, this part of your life is robbing you of joy, it's robbing you of peace, it's giving you pain, it's causing pain to those around you. Let's do something about this together. It's a moment of reality. It's a moment of saying, Lord, 
heal me. Lord, forgive me. Lord, strengthen me. But there are moments, I have found them very powerful moments in my life, whenever I've sat down with someone who I've prayerfully gone to, because it's always important to think really carefully who you go to. We go to someone who's a mature Christian. It could be a spouse. It could be a close Christian friend. Best if they're the same gender as we are. But someone who the Lord guides us to. And we know there's something that we want to get off our chests. Richard Foster, who wrote the seminal work, Celebration of Discipline, talks about how he sat down with someone and he'd gone through a process where he took three stages of his life and he wrote down all those things that he thought were, were moments of brokenness and selfishness and sinfulness in his life and he wrote it all out. He took three moments of doing this quietly in prayer to God and he sat down with a close Christian friend and he read out all of his sins and brokenness, or at least the ones he wanted to share. And his friend then prayed God's forgiveness over him in the name of Jesus Christ. And then he took the bits of paper and he tore them into tiny, tiny little pieces. And Richard said it was the start of a journey into a new place of intimacy with God, a new place of power in the Holy Spirit. Confession opens up the way to the power of God working in our lives. That's why we read about John the Baptist in Advent as we head towards Christmas. The Bible tells us again and again, if we want to ascend new heights in the joy and peace and blessing of the presence of God, we travel through the valley of, of tears. We, val we travel through the valley of reality. And in that place, we discover afresh the goodness and the grace and the love of God. And we discover that the depths of God's love is beyond what we ever realized before. We discover, as Erdi has discovered afresh, that God has a plan for my life which is bigger and deeper and fuller than anything I could dream of. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord, that you are good, good, good. You're holy, holy, holy. Thank you, Lord, that everything that you do is for our good. Thank you that all good things come from you. Thank you that you love us deeply. Thank you that you love us just the way we are, but you love us so much that you won't leave us the same. Thank you, Lord, that you are determined to bring us into places of freedom that Christ has died to win for us, that Christ rose to bring us. Lord, I pray even as we pray here together now, 
I pray, Lord, in the silence that you would bring to mind areas of our lives which bring disappointment and frustration that seem to just trip us up over and over again and we seem powerless to break free from. A temptation that we keep falling into. A mindset that really frustrates us. Patterns of behavior that deeply disappoint us. Lord, speak to us now in the silence by the power of your Holy Spirit. We bring them before you, the one who is gentle and humble in heart. And in the name of Jesus Christ, I declare that through the cross of Christ and the power of his resurrection, that you are forgiven, that you are set free, that the blood of Christ covers all sin, all selfishness, and all brokenness. Thank you, Lord Jesus Christ, that you have moved not only into the neighborhood, you have moved into our lives. We offer our lives afresh to you. Fill us with your Holy Spirit. Fill us with your strength and peace and love. Fill us with the power of your love. Do a new thing in our lives and give us a fresh sensitivity to your Holy Spirit. Lord, thank you that your mercies are new every day. Thank you, Lord, that we know your mercy today. May your will be done, and may your kingdom come in our lives. And may we all walk with our heads held high and a spring in our step and a smile on our face, not because of our circumstances, not because of anything that we have done, but because of what you have done in dealing with our brokenness and giving us new life and dignity as children of God. And so, Lord, we will boast not in ourselves, not in our own ability to do the right things. We boast in the cross of Jesus Christ. We boast in Jesus Christ alone. May him, may to him be the glory, now and always, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen.